Mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, rates of anxiety, depression, and suicide among young people have skyrocketed in the past decade, but is social media really to blame or just a scapegoat? Examining the effort to protect kids from internet threats on the Kids Online Safety Act Day of Action. Also this morning, Election Day is finally over, which means we can now turn our attention to the presidential election that is now just one year away. And happening around town, we have details on an evening of glitz, glitter, and jazz at the Findlay Inn, all to benefit City Mission. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, November 8, 2023. The election results are in and not a big surprise that both issue one and issue two passed statewide. If you have been paying attention to the polls, especially here in this uh, final month, final couple of weeks before the election, the prognosticators were saying that both of these issues were likely to pass. First of all, issue two, that's the uh, recreational marijuana legalization measure passed statewide with 57% of the vote. Uh, Both uh, Hancock County and Putnam County actually voted issue two down. In Hancock County, the vote was 53 to 47 against. In Putnam County, 69% of voters said no. But statewide, issue two was approved by a pretty comfortable margin. And issue one, that is the abortion issue, the reproductive rights issue, Uh, And that a constitutional amendment that passed statewide with a vote of 56.6% in favor, 43.4% opposed. Again, in Hancock County, issue one was voted down 60 to 40%. And in Putnam County, 83% of the vote against issue one. But not enough. Uh, The major urban centers in the state were the ones that uh, carried issue one. Issue two, a little bit more broad support in in more counties, uh, if you count up the uh, counties that voted for it. But uh, both of those measures uh, were uh, soundly defeated uh, in local, uh, at at the polls locally, but statewide, uh, they both passed. And uh, President Biden calling the Ohio ballot measure enshrining reproductive rights in the state constitution a win for democracy that one was the one that pretty much everyone nationwide was watching they were watching issue two as well but issue one uh attracted a lot of attention nationwide because ohio is now the first republican controlled state to enshrine the right to abortion into the state constitution other states have passed similar measures but either uh, they were states that were uh, democratically led or split uh, governance at the state level and or uh, were passed as statutes rather than constitutional amendments. So Ohio, kind of unique in this, a Republican-controlled state enshrining uh, this into the state constitution. Biden released a statement following the uh, announcement of the uh, vote saying that Americans once again voted to protect their fundamental freedoms. So the uh, president sees it anyway. Uh, Much more. uh, You will hear much more on the uh, election results, obviously, as we go on uh, throughout the day. 
but uh, those were the one races, uh, the two races, rather, that uh, everyone uh, was following. So, which is kind of interesting because a lot of times issues on the ballot don't get a lot of attention uh, as opposed to the candidates. But uh, this time around, the issues obviously very, very closely watched. Uh, some of the other uh, big news this morning, the first things you need to know, most interesting and buzzworthy stories, you absolutely will want to know this. It is big news. Homer Simpson will no longer choke his son, Bart. <laughs> have, you, have you heard this? Uh, the uh, producers of the animated longest-running TV show, longest-running animated TV show, are confirming a policy shift. It means the end to a running gag on the show. The last time Homer choked Bart on an episode of The Simpsons was three years ago, and now they are making it official. Homer will take a stand against child abuse and will no longer uh, choke his son. In episode three of season 35, Homer tells a new neighbor that he will not be choking his son anymore. Uh, The word is out on social media, and uh, fans are split on the decision. Some are cheering the move. Others see it as a mandate from Disney which now owns Fox Studios, which produces the animated series. And so there may be some truth to that, that uh, Disney said, no, this is not what we want. So, hey, they own it. They can do what they want, I guess. Uh, A couple of other uh, interesting items among the first things you need to know this morning, the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Big uh, controversy, big controversy uh, in uh, Colombia. In Central America, a sunken Spanish warship that lay undiscovered at the bottom of the ocean for nearly three centuries is now spurring a modern-day legal battle over who has the rights to billions of dollars worth of antique treasures. The San Jose Galleon, which sunk off the coast of Colombia in 1708, contains, it is said, the biggest treasure in the history of humanity. I mean, is it, sunken treasure is sort of the stuff of pirate movies, right? But this is in real life. The biggest treasure in the history of humanity is contained within the remains of this ship at the bottom of the ocean. And uh, now more than 300 years after the San Jose went down, a salvage company based in the U.S. is suing the Colombian government for half of the treasures aboard the ship, claiming it first discovered the wreck in 1981. According to a report here, the when the San Jose sunk in the battle against the British in 1708, it was carrying what was believed to be the most expensive cargo ever shipped from the New World, including more than 7 million pesos, 116 steel chests full of, full of emeralds, and 30 million gold coins. Just think of what all of that... I mean, at the time, it was the most expensive cargo shipped from the New World, and that was back in the 18th century. Imagine what it is worth now. Well, you don't have to imagine. Court cases over the years have estimated that the treasure is worth anywhere from 4 to $20 billion. Billion, with a B, as in big, big bucks. So stay tuned. Uh, Not a big surprise. There's a big fight over uh, who owns the treasure now. Uh, Not as as easy as finders keepers uh, in this case. And uh, 
This I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, this is a work-related item. Um, apparently, young people today do not aspire to be the boss. Isn't that interesting? Kaya Abdul is a career influencer, a strong presence on social media. She explains in a TikTok video that uh, being the boss is not all that it's cracked up to be. Specifically, she says the pay is not worth the additional work. The bump in pay not worth the additional work. Um, she says people get to a point in their career and they're saying, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. I have reached my ceiling. And it's finding that, uh, that balance between responsibility and influence and power at work juxtaposed against the amount of money you're getting to, uh, that you're that re- receiving for your work. She says, once you climb above middle management, the work-to-pay ratio flips. And people don't want to leave because of how much money they are getting for very little work. According to Data USA, there were 15.8 million management positions open in 20, or there were 15.8 million management jobs in 2021 compared to 200,000 CEO positions. And it's it's just uh, many millennials and Gen Zers uh, don't care to be the big boss. They don't aspire to uh, just another uh, example of uh, how the uh, mindset of today's younger generation is shifting and the whole corporate environment is being affected by this. I just thought that was uh, that was kind of interesting. It's not that they are not necessarily motivated. It's just that there's too big of a trade-off uh, between the demands of the job and what the job pays. Interesting. And uh, lastly, this morning, among the first things you need to know this morning, and, and not a big surprise here, fans of the TV show Friends have made the sitcom the most popular show on streaming services in the U.S. Data compiled by the streaming guide Just Watch showed Friends was the top-ranked show between October 30th and November 5th following the death of Matthew Perry. Uh, the He passed away on October 28th and almost immediately. It's just the same as when a famous singer passes away, Jimmy Buffett, uh, going back further, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Prince, you know, whenever a celebrity passes, their work becomes immensely popular in the immediate aftermath. And here again, the show that originally aired on NBC streams today exclusively on Max, the former HBO Max, uh, has uh, rights to streaming rights to Friends. Uh, following Matthew Perry's death, the streaming platform added a tribute card for Miss Perry that is shown at the start of each episode. And it is the number one streaming show right now. Again, not a big surprise. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly cloudy today, a high in the mid-60s. Showers possible tonight, a low around 50 
Ohioans on Tuesday overwhelmingly approved adding a reproductive rights amendment to the state constitution. The amendment will enshrine abortion rights and reproductive decisions in the Ohio Constitution. There were also local races for mayor and city council that voters decided, and you can see the full election results on our website. Their longtime director is stepping down, and the Hancock Historical Museum is searching for their next executive director to lead the nonprofit tasked with preserving the rich heritage of Finley and Hancock County. We are really looking for somebody who has an appreciation for history, especially the history of Finley. We are 100% privately funded, so we are looking for somebody who has a passion for fundraising and for public speaking. That's Board Chair Susan Harms, who's heading up the search committee. Get more of our conversation with her about what qualities they're looking for in their next executive director at the Hancock Historical Museum in the story on our website. Marathon Petroleum has awarded a grant to Finley Hope House for the homeless to provide for an electrical upgrade and air conditioning for the transitional shelter. Currently, the building is cooled using window air conditioners, which volunteers from Marathon install in the spring and remove in the fall. But when temperatures rise, it can get very uncomfortable, and the window units and box fans just can't keep up. Hope House says it's very excited to collaborate with Marathon to get the project moving forward. The project will be completed in three phases over several months. The Cleveland Guardians have officially named their new manager. Stephen Vogt from the Seattle Mariners now becomes the 45th manager in Guardians history. Before coaching for the Mariners, Vogt played for 10 years in the Major League, and during that time he was named American League All-Star catcher and was also a member of the 2021 World Champion Atlanta Braves team. The guards will officially introduce the 39-year-old on Friday, who was taking over for Terry Francona, who of course stepped down as Guardians manager at the end of this last season after 11 years. Ona and Stephanie Haney reporting. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, over the last decade, the rates of anxiety, depression, self-harm, and suicide have skyrocketed among children and teens by nearly 60%, in fact. And many experts are placing the lion's share of the blame on social media. The Council for Responsible Social Media is calling on Congress to pass the Kids Online Safety Act, which is a bipartisan bill that they say would establish responsible safeguards to protect children on social media, declaring today to be the Kids Online Safety Act Day of Action. And joining us this morning is former Congressman Dick Gephardt, co-chair of the Council for Responsible Social Media. Congressman, thanks very much for taking the time. Talk about how you became involved in this issue of social media reform. Well, a few years ago, I began to wonder what has happened in our country with, you know, kids being so depressed and anxious and killing themselves and then I also noticed that, you know, our democracy was being impacted because we've always had disagreements. That's what we do, right? But people were hating one another. Mm -hmm. Families couldn't even have Thanksgiving dinner together. It really worried me. So I read everything I could. I talked to everybody who was an expert on this. I could. And I finally figured out that, you know, we had not regulated or put any guardrails around social media, and that was having a big impact, especially on kids' mental health. And so we pulled this council together that's 50 or 60 people, including some mothers whose kids killed themselves because of being bullied or disparaged or drug into a rabbit hole to 
lead them to suicide. Mm -hmm. So uh, we set this council up and we've been promoting legislation, bipartisan legislation in the Congress, like the Kids Online Safety Act. To make this situation better. And that's really kind of what I'm, I'm getting at, because as we said, social media is getting the blame for these dramatic numbers. And the cynic in me wonders how much of this is scapegoating. I mean, there's no question that this is a national tragedy, but we were told kind of the same thing about television and video games and even rock and roll back in the day. So what data exists to tell us definitively that social media is the main contributor to this youth? mental health crisis? Well, all you have to do is consult child psychologists, child psychiatrists, college presidents, high school superintendents and, mm-hmm. and, and leaders, teachers. They all say the same thing and parents. So let me just tell you one anecdote from one of the mothers that's on our council. She said that she had a, a son, 14, 15 years old, He brought to her on his phone something that he thought was funny. It's a choke challenge. And he said, this is funny, isn't it? And she said, no, it's not funny. Don't get involved in that. A few days later, she found him hanging from his belt Mm. in the garage dead. Mm. So I asked some of these parents who had this experience, they formed a group kind of like mad used to be with drunk driving Mm -hmm. and they pull together mothers and fathers of kids who have killed themselves through things like that. She said there are thousands of kids today who are killing themselves because of the way the platforms operate their algorithmic input mm-hmm. into the product. Yeah. Let me explain what happens. So if you're on social media, they know everything about you. So they use AI algorithms, it's another word for AI, to boost to you information to keep you angry, anxious, and upset if they can keep your attention, which is their business, to sell their ads to make more money. Mm -hmm. So literally, the social media platforms are putting profit over people's health and our democracy and And, our social security. Now, look. I'm a capitalist. Yeah. I want everybody to make as much money as they can. So Mm -hmm. I'm fine with them doing that as long as it doesn't cause these tremendous harms, especially to kids. Yeah. Perpetuating uh, this problem. So what is the Kids Online Safety Act? What will it do and why is it necessary? Well, most importantly, it requires the platforms to have a duty of care to design their products, their AI uh, input, so that it will not harm kids. That's the first and most important thing that it does. And it could be enforced by the federal government or giving parents a, a right of action, legal action, if their algorithmic behavior causes harm to their child. Secondly, it it causes the platforms to have to get affirmative approval of the user or in the case of a kid, their parents to allow them to you to have the input of their algorithmic behavior 
to what the kid or the child sees. No. So in other words, in, you have to opt in, not just opt out. Yeah. Now, and that's the way that platforms like it. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, here in the state of Ohio, state lawmakers pushed through the Social Media Parental Notification Act in a similar effort to protect kids online. Does this does this law, does this act go further than that? I mean, uh, again, how is that different than what we have already seen and enacted here in the state of Ohio? Yeah, it, it, it beefs it up mm-hmm. uh, because it requires them to require the approval of the user and the parent. It's not just Dude. notification. It is requiring them to approve the algorithmic input into what their child is going to see. It also gives them a duty of care to provide products that will not harm children. That could lead to very important lawsuits. Look, you remember the Fox Dominion case? That was because TV stations have a duty to not harm people. And if they do, they can be sued. We made the platforms immune, and I voted for it in the early 90s, Mm -hmm. because the platforms came to us and said, we're just a dumb pipe. We don't produce any content. The people produce the content. Yeah. Plus, if you don't make us immune, we're not going to have an Internet economy in the country. So I voted for it. We all voted for it. Well, now we see that they're causing great harm, Mm -hmm. and they're not a dumb pipe. They're the most intelligent pipe in human history. Yeah. They use AI to boost to me stuff to keep me angry, anxious, and upset, and and to keep kids in a rabbit hole. And uh, as the technology becomes more sophisticated, it only becomes more so moving forward. Real quickly, where is this bill in the process? As you well know, going from bill to law is a long and complicated process. And obviously, right now, Congress has a lot on their plate already. What is the likelihood of this moving forward anytime soon? Sure. So it's out of the committee in uh, the Senate in a bipartisan manner. It has almost 50 co-sponsors, totally bipartisan. We think there's going to be a vote on it yet this year in the Senate. We're very hopeful that it's going to pass. And then the action moves to the House early next year, and we're going to try to get it through the House. And then it goes to the president. So we're in a pretty good place. Nothing's over till it's over. Uh, But we we think we can get the Kids Online Safety Act passed by early early months of next year. Again, Congressman Dick Gebhardt, co-chair of the Council for Responsible Social Media, uh, advocating for passage of the Kids Online Safety Act in Congress. Uh, where do we get more information real quickly? Sure. You can go on uh, this website, PassCosa, just two words, PassCosa, K-O-S-A, dot org. And you can get material on what you can do to help support this legislation. Or they could go on the website of the Council for Responsible Social Media, and they will see all the activities that our council is doing to solve these kind of problems. Congressman Dick Gephardt, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. So now that Election Day is finally over 
in the rearview mirror, that means we can now turn our attention to the presidential election. <laughs> because the cycle never really ends in this country. But uh, it is significant because uh, this week marks uh, one year uh, until that presidential election. And the folks at Ohio Northern University's Institute for Civics and Public Policy are out with a, a poll uh which is an early look at the 2024 election in Ohio. And we are joined once again this morning by Dr. Robert Alexander, founding director of the Institute for Civics and Public Policy at ONU. Dr. Alexander, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Before we get to the uh, presidential poll, um, the results from yesterday's election on issue one and issue two came out pretty much uh, exactly where you uh thought they would based on your poll that we were talking about uh, last week. No big surprises in yesterday's results. Yeah, no, no big surprises yesterday. Much of the public opinion polling was showing uh, in the high 50% range for mm-hmm. um, issue one and issue two as well. And uh, that's where we came out. And, and I got to say, Chris, you, you know, you, you, you put a frisson down my back thinking about the presidential election <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for all that. I'm sure your listeners probably aren't as well. And and the other thing is that, you know, even though issue one passed pretty heartily uh, last night, uh, we're getting a lot of signals from Republican leaders in the state that they're not done with uh, the issue of abortion. So um, I'm not so sure that that is going to go away uh, quickly. Uh, not a uh, settled matter necessarily by any stretch. So it'll be interesting to see what developments come out of that turning to this latest poll uh it looks like uh the results are uh pretty much what we are seeing across the country in that ohioans seem to be resigned to the fact that we are the likelihood that we are going to see a trump biden rematch in 2024 yes and and you know that's kind of been uh the way the wind has been blowing for months now and we saw that as well. Donald Trump is dominating the Republican field. Uh, his closest challengers are 50-some points behind him, uh, DeSantis and uh, Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like Trump is um, barring some kind of catastrophe uh, on, for, for him. And, and really, we asked uh, you know, his supporters you know, how, how strong is their support of him. And we found that it really it, it would take him dropping out of the race, essentially, uh, to yeah. um, budge their budge their support for him, so I, I thought uh, that, he has rock solid support there. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh, really interesting. Very little that uh, that former President Trump can do to change Ohio, the the minds of Ohio voters who support him, uh, even with his uh, legal uh, issues and so on. That doesn't even move the needle at all. No, we asked point blank, you know, if he were to be found guilty of a felony or a misdemeanor, mm-hmm. uh, would that change your support? And I mean, a handful of his supporters said it would. And, and really, um, they are diehard die behind uh, the former yeah. president. Uh, as for President Biden, and as we know, Ohio has increasingly become a, a solidly red state, but among Democrats, what is the uh, support for President Biden? He has some token opposition, but again, how solidly are Democratic voters supporting the president? Biden shows a lot of weaknesses in our poll, uh, and we're seeing this across the country as well. 
But, uh, I mean, his support was in the, the high 60s for, among Democrats for the primary, which was right where Trump is at. And Biden is essentially, as you said, running without opposition. And so there's a, a real thirst, I think, among Democrats to, to have a different uh, person at the top of their ticket. And Biden does not uh, poll very well in the state. Uh, and frankly, Trump and Biden, I think most Ohio voters are not excited about a potential rematch either. Uh, neither of them, you know, Trump is as is, is popular as he's been in the state in his, his last two campaigns, still only polled at 45% among all Ohio voters and has very, very high unfavorables yeah. uh, for all voters in the state of Ohio. And as we mentioned, Ohio has in recent presidential election cycles, especially uh, shown to be an increasingly red state that continues. According to your poll, President Trump leads President Biden in a uh, potential rematch that, again, most of us see as inevitable. One of the other things that I think uh, was really interesting from this poll is that you uh, talked about the nature of the political discourse today. And I think most folks in this year between now and the 2024 presidential election expect uh, a lot of mudslinging, a lot of um, very uh, a, a continuation of this toxic politics uh, that, that we have uh, right now. And your poll shows that Ohioans are, are tiring of that. I, you know, it's really sobering. Uh, you know, we've asked these kinds of questions in a previous poll last year and found very con- consistent results. Most Ohioans and, and Democrats and Republicans alike are frustrated with the political environment, but for very different reasons. And, and frankly, they see each other as the enemy. I mean, large majorities of Democrats see uh, Republicans as immoral or dishonest. And the same goes for Republicans who view Democrats. I mean, you know, they do not uh, see each other. And it's hard to kind of come to any kind of common ground when you see the other side is immoral. And, yeah. uh, you know, really, if you were to go to a doctor and uh, get the kind of results, the numbers that we're seeing in regard to the toxic politics, they would say, you know, you need to change some things. You know, your cholesterol's up, your sugar's up. You got to change, right. you got to change, you know, what's going on. Exactly. And, and clearly the way that we're going about things in the country right now uh, is really, really unhealthy for us all. I, I thought that was uh, really interesting uh, that you were alluding to, where Ohioans say that they really don't like the toxic nature of our political discourse, uh, that they are uh, exhausted by all of this. And yet, when you ask each side to describe the other, you get the same answers. Close-minded, dishonest, and immoral are all in that top three. So even though we're frustrated by this, it doesn't seem like we are um, able or willing to sort of change the way we think uh, and uh, open our minds about uh, the other side. Well, there's a there's another political scientist out there. His name is Brennan Nye, and I can't take credit for it. But he, he says that you know partisanship is a heck of a drug. And uh, we really are seeing a lot of things through the filter of our own party identification. And that negative partisanship, where if it's good for the other side, it's bad for me, is just flowing out, uh, you know, in our brains. And we've got to be able to break that cycle in some ways because, you know, you also see issues like abortion and marijuana where there's actually crossover uh, appeal or rejection of those mm-hmm. issues where right. Democrats and Republicans actually do have some common ground on some things. Mm-hmm. When you break things down to issues, it's different than when you're talking about 
a, a political party or you're talking about a specific individual. So uh, we really have to do the hard work. Just like I said, you know, I get the doctor. I, personally, I like cookies. I like them a lot, yeah. but they're not good for me. Yeah. So we, I need to step away from, from the table from time to time. And I think Americans need to kind of step away from uh, some of these kinds of it, factors that are really feeding yeah. uh, these, these real problems. It's easier said than done, though, when you look at the question of uh, – whether whether the where whether America's future hangs in the balance, and it seems like both uh, sides. And again, we see this reflected. This is not exclusive to Ohio. We've seen it reflected in the national polls as well. Yeah. Uh, both sides, for different reasons, see uh, the coming election as critical for the future of America. I mean, this is a pretty weighty opinion here. Absolutely, and you know something that that also I think kind of speaks to this is that we, you know, R.F. Kennedy had announced his independent bid uh, just before we were able to get the poll out into the field, so we were able to actually query that. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you also find is that you've got, you know, when you add Kennedy to the mix, he has, you know, pretty significant support for an independent candidate. Uh, he and, and you also see that there's still a lot of Ohio voters, even with Trump and Biden, who are undecided. And I think that undecided really isn't so much that they that they don't, you know, kind of favor one political party or another, but right. they just want something different. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, one of the things we find is around 20%, one in five Ohioans are, are sitting around going, you know, we can do better than these guys. We can do better than these political parties. Mm -hmm. And we really do want something a little bit different. So yeah. I think there's maybe a little silver lining there. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm an optimist at heart, so maybe that's what I'm maybe that's what I'm projecting. There. It'll be interesting to see how the next 12 months play out in that regard. By the way, real quickly, I uh, want to mention that you also uh, asked about uh, Sherrod Brown, who is facing what some people see as his biggest test yet uh, in his reelection bid. His seat will be up uh, in 2024 as well. And uh, interestingly, you see that uh, Sherrod Brown, again, in an increasingly red state, still uh, has uh, favorable uh, views among many of the folks you polled. Yeah, he has among the highest uh, positive favorables that uh, of all the, the public officials that we looked at. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, a lot of the people that are looking at the poll, they kind of see what they want to see. So on the one hand, you know, Sherrod Brown has pretty big leads over his potential of Republican opponents. And so, you know, Sherry Brown fans are saying this is a great way to go share it. Right. On the other hand, in no situation does he break 50 percent hmm. uh, of support. And for an incumbent that's been around that has name recognition, that's not a great sign for you. And so those that are looking to, to kind of flip Ohio's seat, which will be really a key, a key issue, a key matchup across right. the country, uh, look at that and say Sherry Brown's pretty vulnerable. So it's really kind of a you know, half full or half empty approach uh, when you look at the numbers that we find for Sherrod Brown. It will definitely be one that a lot of folks will be watching on the national scene. Again, uh, Dr. Robert Alexander is founding director of the Institute for Civics and Public Policy at Ohio Northern University. The latest Northern poll, an early look at the 2024 election, which is a year away as of this week. We've got it linked up at our webpage, goodmornings.net, if you want to dig into the numbers. Really fascinating stuff. Dr. Alexander, thanks very much for taking the time. Once again, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. 
we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Okay, now this is just kind of weird, and it's just wrong. It's just, if you have ever been to an amusement park and waiting in line for one of the most popular rides, um, whether it's Cedar Point, Kings Island, you know, wherever, you know that it can be an excruciating wait uh, to just stand in line for, in some cases, hours to get on the uh, on the ride. Well, at uh, Disney, they at the uh, at the Magic Kingdom, they have had a little bit of a problem, and uh, <laughs> this I don't even know what to say about this. Uh, it says here, uh, waiting in line for a popular ride at Disney theme parks can take uh, upwards of ninety minutes or or longer. I mean, you know, it takes. You've been in those uh, lines the last two hours plus. For some guests, apparently, it is just too long to hold out. So long that people are reportedly relieving themselves while in line. Relieving themselves in the queue line. Uh, This is according to uh, several reports um, and a recent book that was written by a former custodian at one of the Disney theme parks validates this this problem. <laughs> so, according to the book Cleaning the Kingdom Insider Tales of Keeping Walt's Dreams Spotless, it's uh, you would think that this would be just kids, right? But no, adults uh will relieve themselves in line uh right there in front of everyone. And they say it it is happening so often that Disney now has implemented a new protocol which allows a guest to flag down a cast member who will wait in line for you while you visit the restroom. <laughs> what? Have you, have you ever? I have never. I mean, I've been to a, a lot of theme parks uh, over the years and waited in a lot of long lines. I have never seen... Thankfully, I've never seen that, but apparently this has become such an issue at the Disney theme parks of all places that uh, they will now have somebody wait in line for you while you duck out to to use the restroom. Wow. Go before you get in line is the moral of the story there. I just don't know what to say about that. Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, residents in San Diego had a bit of a scare, but uh, are uh, being reassured by the U.S. Navy. Apparently, posts, uh, photos, and videos of UFOs in the sky above San Diego were uh, all over social media on Sunday night. But it turned out that it wasn't aliens from outer space who were invading. It was just a U.S. Navy parachute team (laughs) called the Leapfrogs. Apparently, the lights that some people confused for alien craft turned out to be just flares from the parachute team, the Leapfrogs, who were performing at uh, Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego before the women's professional soccer game that was going on there on Sunday night. (laughs) It wasn't UFOs. It was just U.S. Navy parachuters. Uh, The uh, U.S. Navy posted... On social media, if you see UFOs in the sky tonight around 620, it is just us 
uh, parachuting into the San Diego Wave FC match. <laughs> but it didn't stop people, even though they posted that in advance, didn't stop people from <laughs> claiming little green men were uh, invading San Diego. So, I don't know. If aliens were, were going to invade, they're going to attack. Why San Diego? I don't know. Um, this is, it's actually kind of a light day for the uh, broken news. We do have, uh, you know, a few odd and unusual. Here is a story, uh, that I thought was uh, interesting. If you are a cat owner, you know, sometimes, uh, cats get a bad rap as, uh, loners, antisocial furballs, uh, with their cold, indifferent looks, but... Uh, apparently, cats, according to new research, are very socially active. Uh, this study that uh, counted the number of facial expressions that cats actually use. And they documented the facial expressions. While recording video footage of the 53 residents of the Los Angeles Cat Cafe... Researchers Lauren Scott and Brittany Florkowitz concluded that cats possess at least as much variance in their facial expressions as any other animal, including humans. They found that cat facial expressions and their complexity um, were derived from composite uh, compositionality, whatever that means. Well, it says here in order to Understand what your cat is communicating. It pays to look at its ears, nose, and whiskers. Uh, the uh, researchers discovered that cats uh, can express as many as 276 different expressions uh, through the combination of their facial movements. By comparison, humans uh, use 44 expressions. The cats have 276 impressions. Uh, expressions and uh, humans 44. I would not have guessed that. Just one of those uh, interesting little stories there. The uh, broken news. Odd and unusual side of the headlines. This is kind of cool. At the University of Cambridge, uh, Professor Renaud Renaud Moriot, I think is how you pronounce it, has been examining letters that were sent to French sailors uh, between uh, back in uh, the, the mid-18th century, 1757-1758, letters that were sent to sailors that unfortunately never made it to their intended recipients. And apparently these wartime letters in the mid-1700s uh, somehow made their way to the University of Cambridge and have been in storage. Now, this professor has spent months decoding and reading the letters. He said, I realized that I was the first person to read these very personal messages since they were written centuries ago. Their intended recipients, for various reasons, did not get the chance to read the letters. Uh, And it was interesting, some of the content uh, of the letters. Many detailed love and longing, some family strife. One letter from a mother Wonders why her son does not write to her, but does write to his fiancé. On the first day of the year, you have written to your fiancé. I think more about you than you about me. (laughs) Mom's laying a guilt trip. 
on the, this is what I found interesting about this uh, story is that apparently moms, you think these days moms lay guilt trips on their kids? You never call, you never write. They've been doing this for centuries, literally for centuries. Um, one mom goes on to write, I think I am for the tomb. I have been ill for three weeks. She's saying, she's saying you, you better write before I pass away. I'm going to ignoring me. I'm going to die. <laughs> mom laying a guilt trip on these French sailors uh, back in the mid 1700s. So this is not a new phenomenon. <laughs> Fascinating. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is a more traditional broken news story. A recently freed man in is now back in a Pennsylvania jail after allegedly stealing an ambulance and crashing it into a convenience store and a state police cruiser. The second day in a row we've had a stolen ambulance. It's been a while since we've had uh, an unusual vehicle theft, and now we have two of them on consecutive days. Marcus Stapleton. Uh, <laughs> apparently... Uh, had to be taken to the hospital after he had cut his hand on a broken bottle. Uh, He was released from the medical center after receiving stitches, and it was then that he decided to steal an ambulance. Uh, Mr. Stapleton reportedly arrived at a convenience store and told an employee that he had a body in the ambulance and needed directions. (laughs) The clerk at the convenience store Instead of giving directions, called 911. Shortly thereafter, Mr. Stapleton crashed the ambulance into the store and also struck a police vehicle. He has now been charged with aggravated assault, fleeing a police officer, theft, receiving stolen property, criminal mischief, and reckless driving. (laughs) And he had just gotten out of jail, and now he's back. He stopped and asked for directions. Hey, I got a body in the ambulance. I need directions. No, nothing uh, suspicious about that at all. There you go. Uh, That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN congratulates the Finley Trojan football team for their successful 2023 campaign and for grabbing numerous postseason honors. Several Trojans were named to the Northern Lakes League All-Conference team. Quarterback Ryan Montgomery was named the NLL Offensive Player of the Year and Stephen Adams Co-Coach of the Year. Great job, Trojans, from the station proud to bring you Trojan football, 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Turkey Day, right around the corner. Thanksgiving coming up, and the financial site WalletHub is out with their list of the best places to celebrate the day. And uh, they use a number of uh, interesting metrics to rank the cities, the best cities to celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, Cost per meal is right at the top of the list. Uh, The weather... Uh, They looked at the number of holiday decoration shops per capita, the number of pumpkin patches per capita. They looked at charitable giving and volunteerism and uh, also flight delays where, you know, again, because a lot of folks travel for uh, Thanksgiving where you most likely to uh, see a flight delay, experience flight delay. And based on those metrics, 
Uh, San Francisco, California, ranked as the best city to go to for Thanksgiving in 2023. San Francisco. As a matter of fact, California, very well represented. San Francisco, number one. San Jose, number two. And San Diego, ranked third. Which, if cost of the meal is number one, that really is surprising to me. Fourth place went to Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, In fifth, Raleigh, North Carolina. Interestingly, New York City, which you think of as being, you know, the place for Thanksgiving with the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and all of that, New York would have to be pretty high up on the list. Not really. Actually, uh, didn't even make the top 20. Uh, It was number 37 on the list, New York was. Um... Last on the list was Fremont, California. Uh, So California at the top and the bottom of the list. And where do Ohio cities rank, you might ask? Well, the best city in Ohio to celebrate Thanksgiving uh, would be Columbus. They came in at number 49 on the list. So that's the best that we could do in the Buckeye State, number 49. Toledo was number 52, so not far behind. Uh, Cincinnati was number 58 on the list. Cleveland at number 66. So those are the way uh, Ohio cities landed on the list. Best places to celebrate Thanksgiving. San Francisco being number one. Would not have guessed that. Sharon Wise is with us. Talk about uh, tales on him evening of glitz glitter and jazz that is uh, coming up here at the findlay inn to benefit city mission sharon thanks very much for uh, dropping by we appreciate it thank you so much for having me so this is a uh, new event something that you have not done before and uh so give us all of the details on this um so well we usually have our big event in the fall we changed it up to a little later in the year to hope to give everybody a chance to take a break before Christmas. And so we have the pinup project is our jazz group that's playing. Um, They're really popular around town. So we're excited about that. We were Mm -hmm. able to secure them. Um, We're still going to have, you know, the benefit to bring awareness to help uh, rewrite our story. We're, making a lot of changes that have been happening with the city mission Mm -hmm. and expanding and things. So we're trying to get everybody to enjoy the evening, but help us rewrite the story. So when you talk about rewriting the story Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the expansion, and I I think we've talked about that in the past, talk a little bit about what that means uh, for city mission and the work that you do. Okay. So we are excited when it was announced recently uh, that Whitman title donated a house to us. And that will be Martha's home. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be for women with children, um, an emergency uh, center to help them in their next journey. So uh, not to interrupt, just to kind of interject. How is that different than uh, and better than the way you handle those situations now? The difference is going to be is right now we only have five family suites Mm -hmm. and we have a waiting list. And there shouldn't be a waiting list for family suites yeah. for the women with children. Yeah, um, This will be able to house more families, mm-hmm. more women with children. Yeah. And that's the expansion. We're going to be able to get the children out of the mission and put them in another environment that's going to be more of a home setting. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be help the children a lot yeah, more. A, a, a lot, uh, lot better psychologically yes, it uh, will. for the kids. Yes. Uh, because so often it, it's got to be it, – well, it's heartbreaking when, when anyone – 
comes to City Mission and you see an individual who is at without that basic mm-hmm. uh, need of, of some place to go and some place to call home, but especially it's got to be heartbreaking when there are young people involved. Yes, it definitely is. So this expansion will help. So we're going to touch a little bit on that night. Mm-hmm. We're also um, going to have fun. We're, you know, we're going to have jazz music. Um, we have signature cocktails, but you have to show up to find out what they are. Okay. Um, we have live. <laughs> a little au- mystery to that. Yes. We have a live auctions that are going to be going on as mm-hmm. well as silent auctions. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Beringer is our auctioneer and he is looking so forward to it because two of our big auctions are a pro- pro-choice package. You can bid on two tickets of your choice for any pro event. Wow. Whether it's football, baseball, okay. hockey, whatever. But you get two tickets. Very cool. And, you know, all the combinations that go with it, all wherever right. you're going. All right. Um, we all, the other one is the River Ridge Gorge. It's a beautiful cabin, um, a three-night stay for up to eight to ten people. Wow. So it's really nice. That would so, be cool, too. Um, Neat getaway. Yeah. One of the other things we're going to be auctioning off, it's going to be fun, Um we kind of made accommodations for like the smaller businesses and their budgets. Mm-hmm. So what they are doing is we're giving their did with their sponsorship. We're giving them wreaths to decorate. They're going to give us the wreaths back, and the auctioneer is going to be auctioning them off throughout okay. the night. All right, yep. Some, uh, terrific. Again, keeping with the holiday theme. Yes. All of that. Now, the event is happening, as we said, at the Finley Inn and Conference Center. It is uh, coming up December 1st. Yes. Uh, so, uh, circle that on your calendar. How do folks get tickets? Um, you can go to our website, our Facebook page. We have lots of ads going around Facebook. You can also contact me at the City Mission. Tickets are going fast. We're down to about 40 tickets left. Okay. And we're only a few weeks out. So if you want a ticket, get it quickly. They're right. going quickly. <laughs> Limited number available and uh, going quickly because, mm-hmm. you know, I think of December 1st, we could all use an evening out and, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, little, uh, little pampering uh, of ourselves and, and so on. And I, I thought it was really interesting on the, uh, on the website when I was looking at the, the uh, details uh, on this uh, event, the amount of the amount of help, I mean, 31,591 nights of lodging last yes. year. Yes. That you've, and those are the, that's the last full year, mm-hmm. so in 2022. But uh, that is just, it's an amazing number, 130,000 meals uh, provided. We are definitely, amazing. Sur- yeah, we are definitely surpassing that mm-hmm. um, this year. In the month of October alone, I believe we were up to almost 12,000 meals wow. in one month. In one month. In one month. Wow. Yeah. So the need is just growing. I mean, this amazing community does an amazing job supporting us, too. Yeah. Um, And again, it is so easy sometimes to overlook that uh, Mm -hmm. and the the work that you do. And I guess that's a compliment in the sense that uh, if you're doing your job well, it's something that is not uh, out there for everybody to to see immediately. But uh, again... The the need is great, and we mentioned you know families involved. This is not just transients or no, individuals. No, it's not. It's not just you know, their families, their children. Yeah, it's you know everyone. And like I said, they come when a mother comes to the door, and she's got her children, and she doesn't know where else to go. Mm. For us to say yes, we can help you. Yeah, we will help you. And it's events like this that make that possible. Yes, it is. Um, yes. So, again, Glitz, Glitter, and Jazz happening on December 1st. Um, starts at 6.30. Starts at 6.30. Yep. At the Finley and Conference Center. Yep. And uh, tickets are? Tickets are $100. Mm-hmm. 
Um, like I said, that includes everything. The di- right. We have a wonderful hors d'oeuvre dinners, drinks. It's, it's going to be great. And uh, you can get them now. Yes. Uh, the City Mission. And if folks want more information about what it is that you do and uh, the way you do it and all of that, again, online is a great place. Sorry. Yes. If they message uh, Facebook, um, we answer right away. Um, contact the mission. We give tours. Anything. You want to come see us? Come see us. <laughs> it's it's a great work. Get involved. We have plenty of... If you go to our Facebook page, you can sign up to be a volunteer anytime. We've, that would be even better. That'd be great. Be we love volunteers. We've got it linked up at goodmornings.net. And again, uh, Sharon Wise, City Mission, uh, with us uh, this morning. Sharon, thanks very much for the update. Thank you so much for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, helping veterans transition to civilian life. What are the best careers after service, and how can vets find the one that fits them best? So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, going out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.